Hey there, welcome to the Pretty Little Tribe podcast, a space to talk about all things life, fertility, parenthood, and everything in between. My name is Elizabeth. I am an international fertility coach, ICF certified life coach, birth and bereavement doula, and new parent educator. Join us as we support the tribe throughout their journey from conception to bringing your new baby home and everything along the way. See you in the episode. Welcome back to the Pretty Little Tribe podcast. Today we have a fellow fertility coach. I'm so excited to have her here. I also call her a friend. She's a beautiful person inside and out. Her name is Monica Beavis. And welcome, Monica. Thank you so much, Elizabeth, for having me in your podcast. As you say, yes, I consider you also a very close friend. Uh, even though we, you know, we just contacted in um, Instagram. I uh, but I have built beautiful friendships there. I, I can count them in my hand, but it's amazing. It's amazing. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Thanks for being here. I know we are both so busy and I appreciate you taking the time to come on here. I'm always so happy to talk to another coach. I feel like it is such a needed, you know, aspect of the fertility journey. So I'm always about the more the merrier. Let's bring on more coaches, etc. In fact, that's part of my mission lately too, is to bring on more coaches, but tell us a little bit about your journey and how you got to become a fertility coach and how you made that your, your path. Yes. Well, um, first of all, you know, I want to mention that, uh, I, I am originally from Colombia. I was born in Bogota, uh, but I live in the United States in the state of New York for the last 18 years since I met my husband. Uh, via match.com that's so funny <laughs> he's israeli uh, so our kids are a combination of you know two like fireworks kind of personality we are very much fire and you see it's funny about my journey before i met my husband i wasn't interested in having children i was not opening in to get married uh, and not because I find it something that it will not go aligned with my life. It's just because I thought that the world was so much upside down to bring children. And look how it is now. It's even worse. I know. Crazy. Uh, so little- one second, Monica, I want to just ask you back. So you guys are probably like the original Match.com, right? 18 years yes. ago. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is so cool. Um, but so were you living in the United States when you met him no. or were you still in so he was looking for somebody in. It's the funniest thing. I was living in Colombia. You know, I was working there and my father was, because I speak English, he, you know, my parents in Colombia, we are from medium class, which is very different from medium class here. Medium class here uh-huh. in the States, if you move it to my country, they are very rich. We are very rich yeah. because we are medium class. Medium class yeah. is a little bit more hard work. So they uh, pay as a school to me and my sister, a, bi- a bilingual school in, uh, you know, which we learn English. So since kindergarten, I was uh, 75% of the classes were in English. That's why I knew English. And I was 29 and, you know, I wanted to meet someone. Uh, And I entered actually in the match.com in the Latin part because I was not interested in things. And my dad was like, you know, you maybe should think to, will your English go to the States? And I'm like, no, I'm not going to go there. I'm going to go and waste my money. They're going to tell me that they... They will not give me the visa. Single with a career, speaking English, they right away will think this girl is gonna stay and live there, which I completely understand. 
Mm -hmm. I, I understand that countries need to have their immigration laws. Yeah. So I wasn't interested. But then Shai, which is the name of my husband, he was in like 10,000 sites, J-Date, E-Harmony, <laughs> all of that. And he wanted a Latino woman. He was on a mission. <laughs> and he said that when he clicked on Latin, he put in match.com Latino woman, and he saw two profiles, another girl and me, and he went right away on mine. And he wrote me. He uh, wrote me, I want you. And I didn't like that he wrote me that. And I, it, you know, it, it was in the time that the internet was through the phone line. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, what do you want? Did you read my profile? I'm, I'm not wanting something just for one time or, right. you know, a few days. So no, he, he said, right away, he answered, I want everything from you. Where do you live? And I told him in Colombia. And, and I see that you live in New York. And he said, give me your number. I call you. And I'm like, you don't know it's going to cost you a bunch of money. Yeah. Said, I don't mind. So I give it to him, but I didn't believe he's going to call me. So I went and I continued talking with another guy that I was talking from Peru. And then he connect again and he's like, I'm calling you. And I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> so I disconnect and he called me. And from that moment, we didn't stop to talk. The first time we stopped, we talked like about eight hours in the phone. Wow. And back then, eight hours on the phone international was not cheap. Because no. I, my first husband was also international. So I understand there was no cell phones. There was not, no, like, no, actually there was no, not even email when I got married the first time. So, um, forget it. So yeah, you know, that's expensive. <laughs> he was like, and then I told him, he said, you need to come here. I say, I'm sorry, but I can't come. I don't have a visa. And he's going to really give me a hard time to get a visa. If you want to meet me, you come. Yeah. And so we spoke all that month over the phone. A month later, he was there. And look what God has things very weird. You know, life, universe, world, things very strange. He was not a resident. He was not a citizen. He was an investor. So he had an investor visa. And we start to find out if that, if, if with that visa, I can come here if we get married. And yes, we found out. So we married. Three months later in Colombia, and I was here a month later with everything. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that story. <laughs> um, okay, so back to you had really no interest in kids. You got married. Until I met him. Okay. Um, when I moved here after we got married, he, uh, he has a daughter from a previous marriage before me, his second marriage, I'm his third. It seems that I'm the charm because we are still <laughs> together after 18 years. <laughs> so Daniela was one year and four months and you know, she used to come to, to her visitations, but then she leave. And I start to feel like I want my own because she was so cute and we start mm -hmm. to get, you know, close. I put her to sleep and all of that. So that motherhood thing woke up uh -huh. and I said, you know, let's try. And I was so sure, Elizabeth, that I'm going to get pregnant. And I tell you why, because I come from my mom's side. I come from a family that they were 18 kids from the same wow. dad and mom. They were nine girls, nine boys. Uh, we are 243 cousins. My grandfather died when he was 102 years. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Crazy. My daughter, yes, he met my daughter, my 15-year-old, which she was uh, father, mama, me. She was the fourth generation, and he was able to meet the fifth generation. Wow. So he, yeah. Amazing. So everybody was pregnant with a blow of a kiss. So I said, I am there in the group, whatever. 
it didn't happen. You know, after like six months that I'm trying, I said to myself, I have some issue. It's me because he has a daughter. Uh-huh. And what was your doctor, diagnosis? Well, my gynecologist in that time told me that, which makes sense. I was 32, that it could be stress that most couples try for a year. Maybe, you know, if I, he put me on plummet after the first six months of trying. And then he said, if six months pass and you don't get pregnant, then we go into checking all of that. Mm-hmm. It happens, no get pregnant, nothing. So he did all the blood tests. My hormones were amazing. Everything was okay. And then he said, so it's something with your reproductive organs. Something is there that maybe we don't know. And he ordered a hysterosalpingogram. And that's when they found out that both my fallopian tubes were blocked. Mm. And then with the RE, he recommends us an RE, that, you know, in vitro. He say in vitro is the only way because we tried two laparoscopies to try to open at least one. It was impossible. There was too much scar tissue. And I didn't even know that that was caused because of endometriosis stage four. And I lived with that all my wow. life without knowing. Wow. Because... You see, I used to have very heavy periods. They were very regular. There was never, I never missed one, but they were super heavy. I used to faint from the pain. I used to lose consciousness from the pain. And my stomach and my wow. inflammation, the, but I didn't know because my mom and some of my aunts have the same issues, but they didn't know because their mom didn't even know. Oh. So nobody knows until now I teach that to my daughter. I even bought her like a, a little agenda that is a menstruation, like for the period. And I asked her if she feel pain because today we know that it's not normal to feel that pain. It's not normal right. to So that's the reason. So we went through our first in vitro with this doctor that uh, my gynecologist recommend. He was amazing. And I got pregnant from Elia, but we also didn't know that we could freeze my eggs or we could freeze embryos. And even though the doctor was incredible, he was all over the place. For him, it was so important to help women in getting pregnant and couples that he was just focusing on the couple for six, seven hours and his team was not the best. So nobody told us you could freeze the, the, the embryos, whatever. So we just went into without knowing. And when we got pregnant, we were so happy. We didn't ask if there was embryos that we could freeze, they didn't told us. And then we say with my husband, when Elia is gonna be three years, then we can try for a sibling. And it's easy, you got pregnant the first time, the same, again, I took it for granted and that's it. I know. But this is when the nightmares start. So three years later, two and a half later, we went back to our same doctor and we started another, another cycle. In that time, he was changing his team and unfortunately, one of the nurses, when she called me to, you know, they call you to give you the, the dosage that you need to put every night. And yeah, she switched, uh, she made a mistake and she gave me the dosage of another patient. Oh. And I got OHSS. So my ovaries went to the roof. I oh. was in a lot of pain and they have to cancel. So my husband and I, we, we were very upset and he was really kind of very upset. And I told him, listen, this guy, he was the first kid he's really kind let's talk to him he needs to be responsible you know before jumping into conclusions to go and lose food and he was amazing he said that it was right he gave us the third cycle and the medicine up to the point that we use it and in my third cycle I got pregnant uh, we actually wanted a boy so in that time we were more knowledgeable on that and we the, the embryos that we got we sent them to, to, to PG testing 
-hmm. And it came with, we got six embryos, three boys, three girls. The boys were like super, very good quality. Uh, two of the girls, they had chromosomic issues. So he right away just, you know, suggests to discharge it because that can affect. And one girl was like five days behind. So I said, okay, we can frozen the baby girl and we put the three boys. So my husband says, no, 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 no. We put everything because we never know what's going to happen. Maybe they don't catch. And the girl was the one that catch it. Mm. Uh, at, 37, uh, at 24 weeks, I did the amniocentesis because I was 37 and you know that they recommended and everything seems okay. But then from that time up to the week 37, 39, I was having blood clot issues and Nobody knew, I didn't know, everything was kind of okay. And one day just she just stopped to move and I kind of got a little pinch in my heart and I told my husband, you know, let's go to the hospital because I don't feel the baby for the last maybe six hours. And he was like, you know, don't worry, it happens with Elia with our first IVF and we run to the hospital and she was sleeping. So that's why I was not feeling her. So I said, okay, you know, maybe yes. Mm -hmm. It didn't. And two days later, I have my appointment to, you know, my checkup. And that day, he's supposed to give me the date for inducing me. Mm -hmm. And we found out that day the girl is measuring the head. And I asked her, I want to see the, the heartbeat. Mm -hmm. She started to look and she didn't find it. So she said, I need to look, I need to call the doctor. My mom was with me. And I just went crazy Elizabeth I almost jumped from that bed I wanted to run they have to hold me like like in a crazy house from the hands call my mom call my husband because the baby was dead so and the dog we were so uh, in shock that my husband couldn't drive I couldn't drive and the doctor was the one that drove us in his car he canceled whatever he had that day and he drove us in his car to the hospital. And for some reason, you know, I was so much praying. I was like, you know, miracles happen. And they wanted to do another sonogram. And I was praying like something happened that nothing. So they have to induce me and I have to deliver Isabel there. And it was, it was very traumatic. Um, they found out that I have phospholipid something with the blood. It's a blood clotting issue. So we couldn't do anything. Um, so sorry, Monica, that I'm literally like speechless and trying not to cry because I just can't even imagine that. Like I literally cannot, it, the pain I can, I can, of course you're going to go crazy. Of course you can't drive. If, I mean, your life is like the rug is ripped from you. It's crazy. It's terrible. And you never, ever in your, in, in your entire life, we, we humans, we have that tendency to think that. Terrible things can happen to others, but not to us. You know, we always try to avoid them. We are so like, and it was, it was terrible. So they ask us, you know, the, the nurse asked if I want to see the baby. And I remember I got upset and I said, absolutely. I want to see my daughter. I, 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 what is it? She said, no, some moms. And then this one, that when she said some mothers, I say, what is this? How often this happens? She say, believe it or not, you might think you are the only one that come, that is going through this, but there is a lot of moms that go through stillbirth. And some mothers, they don't want to see their baby for whatever reason. So I told yeah. them, no, I want to see the baby. And my husband was next to me when they brought the baby. I wanted to, on, on she was dropped. And I want to unwrap. And he said, don't do it. I'm like, why? I want to make sure that she's complete, that she had to say, she's complete. This, that, that. And he told me, 
this does not belong to us. This belongs to God. Mm -hmm. We already have talked with our rabbi. And I'm going to tell you a part of it. I don't know where my baby is buried. I don't suppose to know because in Judaism, uh, for sitting Shiva means for doing all arrangements for a funeral. An individual needs to have born alive and live for 30 days. My daughter was dead. So if a, if a baby born and is 29 days and die at 29 days, we don't sit Shiva. So the group, our rabbi and a group of rabbis take care of the body and they take it to a Jewish cemetery and they bury it. They are the only ones that know because it's, it's more, it, it has to do with our belief system. Doesn't belong to us, belong to God. And it was very devastating. My husband keep asking the rabbi why this happened to us. I was upset on God. He was, I even asked him, it's okay to be upset on God? And he was like, yes, yes, it's okay. You have all the right. And it was her cycle. You know, that baby, that soul needed to come for a certain time and that's it. But now, it caused- Did it take you a while to get to that point to be able to say that? Or were you, did you think that right away? No, I didn't think right away. I didn't want yeah. to accept it, Elizabeth. I even told my husband, I need to make another in vitro. I was like, next month we go to the doctor because I can't deal with this pain. I need this hole to be filled. And yeah. he was like, but you, you, you don't even are ready. You are milking. I had to wrap my breasts mm -hmm. with, you know, the, the band-aid that when yeah. you hurt to dry yeah. the milk forget it it was it was more that I felt guilty I felt that I did something wrong I even thought uh, when I was pregnant how many times maybe I carry my Elia that she was almost five mm -hmm. years and maybe to carry her affect the baby you know how it is it's like you feel I felt guilty mm -hmm. so I dreamed my husband for about a month and a half that I want to do another in vitro he talked with our doctor he said I don't do that because she's emotionally physically and spiritually a mess and she needs to heal mm -hmm. for a doctor to say that I, I was like very surprised and I got upset on him and I called him and he said I'm not doing it Monica you need to heal you need to wait so I told him so give me another doctor that you know that you could recommend me and I basically put him against the wall and the poor guy didn't have a choice but to do that mm -hmm. and we went to RMA of New York with Dr. Mukherjee and he was telling me the same Monica you are not ready I think that you should wait at least three four months Forget Elizabeth. I, I was in my pain. I was selfish because mm -hmm. that's the that that's what it is. You're not think you're not thinking rationally. No, no, not rational, not at all. And he said, "Okay, we do it. We did it." And what I did was putting myself, my family, my husband in more pain because I got pregnant, but I miscarried at seven and a half weeks, mm. and it's like one after another one. Then my marriage came also down to the drain we we almost got divorced because the way that we grieve is so different men and women I yeah. cried I scream I just need sometimes a hug and, and cry cry for me crying is the best way to get rid of pain yeah and I see that he's just going back to work like work 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 come back at nine and not saying anything so it created a lot of tension between us because I am like he, he didn't care we just lost the baby you're not complete baby and he don't care so we almost got divorced and then we were with lawyers and our rabbi came to help us and we love each other I love my husband very much he loves me very much and we said you know what we need to really heal we need to go through all the process and then 
focus on what we have. You know, it, it's true. I, I can't, you know, and I'm not going to lie to you. I thought about taking my leave. I'm not going to lie to you because the pain is so strong. It's like it's a pain that is not the pain of a cut that, you know, it, it's not that kind. Mm-hmm. It's a constant pain that you, you ask why these things happen. Mm-hmm. So, but I am scared from physical pain. That is funny to say now. I am saying it. So I went to the internet to look to all the possible ways to take your life without pain. But most of them, the only one was not legal. And then I'm starting to think my head goes so far. I'm like, okay, so if I do this and it's not legal and they caught me, I go to jail, then I'm in jail, probably tied up hands and with the pain. So then I can't do anything. Mm-hmm. That is what I say it saved me to don't do it. So mm-hmm. we kind of focus in our couple relationship in enjoying Elia, and we took a year doing that. It was hard because you know it's bumps. You know, always comes back the little thing that it hurts yeah. me that you didn't cry and all of that. But we work it out, and a year later he said, you know, let's try a last in vitro. We're gonna find a doctor close to our house, and we just do it. If we, if we get pregnant, beautiful. If we don't, we stay with Aliyah and Daniela and that's it. And that was the deal. And we did it in RMA. Now it's RMA of Long Island, but in that, in that time it was Long Island IVF. And Dr. Brenner, he was amazing. And we did an in vitro. They put me on blood thinners. I was high risk from the moment, you know, from the moment yeah. basically that I got pregnant. We transferred this time three embryos. Maya was a twin. It's funny. Maya was oh. a twin. And then uh, after the beta, I start to bleed and I went crazy. You know how it is. And my husband is like, please, you need to chill. We put three embryos. Maybe one is falling and the other two are there and you need to chill. We went and effectively they did the ultrasound and the nurse says there is one heartbeat and there is another sac that is kind of not, it didn't catch and it's falling. That's why you're bleeding. She was not mm-hmm. so nice though, because when I say, oh, there is a heartbeat, I was like super happy. And she's like, but you know what? Don't, don't keep too much the hope because maybe the other one is going to take it out. Oh, my husband was. He started to scream at her, called the doctor and told him, I don't want to see this nurse ever again in the time that we are here. And he promised us that he's going to take care of us. And from that time, he was seeing us. <laughs> we start to think about all what I went through. I was alone. Listen, when I started, there was no social media, Elizabeth. There was no Facebook. There was nothing. I felt alone, I felt defective, I felt lost. So I said to myself, you know how many women are going through this? Why I cannot help with my own path? And I start to think, I start to put the right ideas and all of that. And I start to apply it on myself, to be a little calm, to try to control my reaction on something that I cannot control that is from the outside. The only thing that I couldn't control is when Maya start to move, like in around the fifth month, I learned, you know, to to uh, put in a clock how often she was moving. And if she was not moving in certain times of the day that she started to move, like 2.30 in the morning, it was, I will always remember that time. When I was sleeping between 2.30 to 2.35, this baby will move. If she will not move, I will go crazy, wake up my husband, tell him to bring me juice or chocolate. I didn't leave this baby alone in the pregnancy. Because I needed to know that she was okay. Of course. And now she tells me because one day she overheard me, you know, talking with my husband. 
and she wake up very early every day, even in the weekends. And I'm telling her, Mark, why you are like this? She say, pay back. You never let me sleep in the belly. Don't you remember? <laughs> Cute. That's sweet. And she was born and, you know, my pain became my purpose. And I love what I do. I love it. I love yeah. it. I know it's so terrible. And we, you, you know, I we know. go through so much. But they say, you know, it's the worst club with the best members. And we are here. Yeah, definitely. I have goosebumps. I wish I could give you a big hug because I'm so sorry for your experience. I know having my, all of my pregnancies were high risk too. And it's like when you grow up and you see friends having babies, I never heard of complications with pregnancies before. Um, and so you realize how precious it is to have a healthy living baby and, you know, going to the doctor three times a week you know, even throughout the whole pregnancy as for me. And, um, you realize, you know, your life is at danger and your child's life. And that's a really scary thing to think about at times. And, you know, I feel like for the coaches like us that are through the other side and we have, you know, we're not trying anymore. And, you know, we've, we've been there and now we're, we're here to serve everyone else who's going through it to give them hope and know that it's possible. And again, there it's not an easy, fun journey and it's a lot of ups and downs. And with your relationship too, I always tell people it's so common, right? I mean, we've all gone yes. through it in one form or another, whether it's timed intercourse and you don't wanna do it at the same time, or it's, you know, oh, you yes. wanna do another round and they don't feel that it's necessary. You know, there's a lot of things with relationship, but I think it's so beautiful to see, you know, you so far down the line and showing up in such a beautiful way to so many other women. So can you tell us for the women that are listening, what it is that you can offer them and how they can find you and all the beautiful things that you're doing so that, you know, if you hear this and Monica's story resonates with you, please reach out to her. She's very visible on Instagram for sure. And she's doing lots of other amazing things. So can you tell us about that? Yes, of course, Elizabeth. So my, my approach is more from the emotional part of it, you know, emotional mindset and uh, also holistic. Why? Because it's something that is a missing piece in between the clinics and us as patients because doctors keep very busy. They only focus on that part, the medical, the science, but they forget and the clinics forget that that emotional also plays a big part in the outcome. It's, it's, really plays a big part Absolutely. because when we are in a bad place or when we are so nervous we, we, when we live with the what if and it's in vitro or even IUI you know it's so difficult we are always what if and with fear and fear blocks things so it's more emotional more mindset yeah. and what I always tell women and couples is as long as we try our best to know and learn that there is certain things in our reproductive system that if we find out that they are not okay, check it right away, you yeah. know, because our bodies talk to us. Infertility is an illness. Let's put it in that way. People, Some people don't want to recognize it. Some uh, There is some arguments about it. It's an illness because it's something that our body is telling us that is mm -hmm. wrong and we need to yeah. fix it. We need to do something. We're not so, choosing to have this situation. Exactly. This is not a choice. Like I told you, a painful period. 
a heavy period, inflammation is not normal. So if you have that, or if you have a child, a girl and a teenager that have that, check it right now. It's you are on time, you know? So yeah. I teach them that. I also teach them that when we are starting to walk this journey of motherhood or parenthood, either if it is natural or either if it is via ART, they need to realize that it's not easy. Even trying to conceive naturally is not easy. So when we are aware of the, that we are entering a not easy path that is going to be stressful, that there is a lot of things from the outside that we cannot control. So then what we can do, we can control our actions upon that, you mm -hmm. know? So that's, that's all the approach that I uh, kind of talk, touch. And they can find me in Instagram, you know, my um, user ID is at Monica Vivas. I have a group in Facebook that calls the IVF journey. And also in my website, I wrote also a book. It's a, an IVF planner that, you know, for couples that go through ART, you know, how difficult it is to keep the records of our blood tests, our beta tests. I used to yeah. have everything in little papers and they got lost. So that's what inspired me also. Amazing. Uh, Yes, and the, the two-week wait chapter in that book has like a mandala for each day because oh, I, cool. pro I promote art therapy and creativity because creativity and art therapy help us to shift our mindset when we are in difficult times. It's mm -hmm. not toxic positivity. That's what I'm going to be very clear because I am for allowing our feelings to be felt, even if they are chitty feelings. So if you want to curse, to scream, to cry, you need mm -hmm. to give that space because that's the only way to really let go. You see, I cry and I force the last cry. When I see that there is no tears anymore, I am like, okay, so they are gone. I don't need to force uh -huh. more bad feelings. So I feel that space and then I can think clear and say, okay, now what is my next step? Now what I can do to make myself a little better and think what, what is the best option? What tools I have? I can read, I can color, I can create because it's so much pressure on, on this journey. Yeah. And uh, I already finished my second book, which is not a book. It's actually a coloring book that's called Ranting Doodles. And oh, it's all I love it. Yes, eggs and sperms and little cartoony stories um, uh, dealing, you know, with debating between two publishers. So, and we are creating another book for um, same-sex couples. So it's going to be the IVF planner, but for, uh, you know, the LGBT community. And I am doing it. Uh, with some girl that I met amazing in Instagram that she is a same sex couple with her wife. And we are Wonderful. Yes. So great. And you're also on clubhouse a lot. Yes, so, I am on clubhouse. Yeah. Find Monica on clubhouse a lot too, because I know she's still pretty active. A lot of us kind of were in the initially and have fallen off a bit, but uh, Monica still shows up there. So um, please reach out to her. She is a beautiful, beautiful human being and, you know, she will give her heart like the rest of us. So if you have any questions about her story or want to work with her, please find her. And I can't wait to see these new books you've come out with. Yes. I need to send you one. And one last thing that I will want to say that you mentioned is make sure to anyone there trying to conceive naturally the IVF, IUI. I know that sex become like a burden, like a homework. Mm -hmm. Please don't forget that that's not a homework and try to make it fun again because that is one of the things that cause you know, tension between couples. The fact that we are so obsessed 
because it becomes an obsession to have that baby. Sure does. So just try to remind yourself that yes, that the, the ultimate goal, but it's not everything in your life. We forget everything. We we and then obsessions create blocks, to you know, like and the blocks is what doesn't let us go ahead. So yes, mm-hmm. the baby is like the goal. We have some sex that we need to plan because whatever. But you know, make sure to still keep alive the romance. Keep yourself reminding that you have a life and all the things that you have up to the moment and continue without putting too much pressure on yourself. And I know it's easy to say and very difficult to take action upon it, but practice is what makes that thing perfect. Yeah. Thank you for mentioning that, especially, you know, once you, cause I believe that you will have your baby, whether that's coming from you or adoption or whatever way, if you want to be a parent, you will be a parent. But at the end of the day, that still is an important aspect of your relationship, even when the kids are there running around. Right. So you need to make sure that you have the long-term goal in mind when you're, when you're struggling through that aspect specifically, I feel like. Absolutely. Absolutely. Elizabeth. And thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to be in your podcast is really, for me, it's amazing, amazing to just get out tell my story and like you say tell anyone that there is a still hope and like you said there is so many ways today to become parents yes we need to think and t- make decisions for that yeah. but yes whomever wants to have baby or be a parent they can do it today with all the science and, and doctor research and all of that we can do yes and to your point about the mental health i mean don't underestimate that with the doctors can only do so much, but the power and the strength of the mental aspect going into it. I mean, science has proven that there's a reason that they, we, people say, you know, you need to keep your mental health in check when you're trying to conceive and you don't, don't want to pass that energy to your, your babies either. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. So, and that that's another conversation. <laughs> yes. Thank you yeah. so much. Thank you. I can talk to you all day, Monica. (laughs) I can talk to you all day. Thank you so much. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for coming. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Pretty Little Tribe podcast. Follow up on Instagram at the Pretty Little Tribe or at Elizabeth King underscore coaching for updates, resources, and a community to connect with. If you are looking for extra support and tools to guide you along your TTC and parenting journey, visit elizabethking.com. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast everywhere you're listening for a chance to receive a special gift. Visit elizabethking.com backslash pretty little tribe podcast for more information on how to enter. Any review counts. I just appreciate your honest feedback so I can provide you with the best support possible in your TTC and parenthood journey. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next week.